The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Labs, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells, and with me today are Maureen O'Connor, New York sex columnist. Hey, Maureen. Hey, David. And back from a bath salt soaked trip to Tampa, <laughs> America's strip club capital, Allison Davis. Welcome home. Thank you. I brought you all bath salts. Don't worry. Yay. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about an actual real-life competition to determine the woman with the world's most beautiful vagina and everything that tells us about vaginal beauty standards. We're also going to be talking about Kevin Bacon's crusade to get more dicks into Hollywood movies. Kind of self-serving crusade, I think. And then there's a new study that claims to show conclusively, I think Maureen, maybe you'll feel vindicated by this. Completely vindicated. That couples who sexed are in much healthier relationships than those that don't. On to our first topic. What makes a pretty pussy? Oh, God. Uh, Maureen, do you want to maybe introduce this? Yeah. So I think a couple of weeks ago, we had the great discussion after there was a scientific study about what makes a penis look beautiful. So we thought it was only fair to look at what makes a vagina beautiful. And as it turns out, the um, sex toy maker Autoblow... Um, which is a device that's sort of like a flashlight, but it's supposed to simulate the feeling of a blowjob, but with a vagina-looking top, basically. Weird hybrid. Um, yeah, it's like a flashlight, and it's like mechanized, though, so it jerks you off on its own. Right? <laughs> it looks like a watch cleaner or like a watch rotator, kind of. I don't know. That just like, seems like it's cleaning jewelry to me, not yeah. jerking someone off. Yeah, so anyways, Autoblow, though, decided to have a contest to find the most beautiful vagina in the world. And by vagina, of course, they mean vulvas. They're not actually looking at the cavity inside of a woman, but the <laughs> exterior. Um so and so they asked women to submit pictures of their vaginas, and subsequently they had almost 11,000 or around 11,000 people voted on what they thought the most beautiful vagina was, which, to their credit, though it's not scientifically done, that is like tenfold more than the scientific study we were looking at two weeks ago <laughs> yeah, about like how many yeah, people fair. looking back. That's a pretty big example. Right. Good cross-section, too. Another way I thought this study was better than the penis study is that um, you guys were talking about how the penis beauty study was like all flaccid dicks. And this is like all the vagina that you're looking at sexually. Right. It's yeah, not like some or It could be an action, I suppose. The two that were the top vote getters, which are the only ones that I saw, were seemed posed like ready for action, I would say. Yeah, I'd say so. And the other <laughs> thing is, I mean, they don't know the genders of the people voting, right? right. Um, so presumably oh. it was more men because it's, an, it's a sex toy manufacturer that the toys they make are for men. The funniest thing about this, though, is that when they announced their contest, it sounded like so incredibly derogatory and gross, which, I mean, arguably it still is, but there was something so funny about when you look at the pictures, because they had, like, a leaderboard as people were voting on their favorite, you know, vaginas, and some of the girls are, like, spread eagle, some are bent over, whatever, but they're pretty much just close-ups, there's no faces, nothing. But they're told to put this, like, auto-blow contest hashtag, so all the girls have, like, post-it notes with the little, like, contest <laughs> name next to their vaginas. The top winner has, like, this little, like, TP sign, like, affixed on the top of one bun, so there's something really funny and Very playful clever. about the way it all plays out. Speaking Speaking of the winner, like what made her have the most beautiful vagina of all vaginas out there? I think her name was Nell. Nell. She was British. So she goes by Nell. That is not her real name. She is a 19-year-old from Scotland. And when she was reached for interview with Mike.com, she said, quote, I still do not believe I have a special vagina. I happen to have the best picture of my vagina. That's it. It's nothing less. It's nothing more. So it's really a photography contest. (laughs) Nell, so humble. so humble. That's nice. I know. If I won that, I'd be like, fuck that. I've got the best pussy on the planet. It, but Nell is very, very magnanimous about it. I would say that she had very minimal lips, right? That was like the main... There's no 
labium minora, I suppose, displayed in her picture. But the very the second the runner up was, and the funniest thing is that the um, the auto blow people tried to do a sort of like quasi pretend scientific study of the way the votes went, and they tried to like break it down into like the number of millimeters of the minora versus the majora versus the color, and like had all these variables, which I don't know how they can figure out just by looking at a picture. I mean, people didn't put rulers in their pictures, you know, right. how they have these measurements, and yet they what they did conclude though when they tried to um, categorize they came up with like six different categories of the nature of each vulva that they were looking at. They posted their results on vulvapaper.com. But what they actually found was that there was like no rhyme or reason to what people voted on. Which is sort of an affirming message, right? It sort of was. That the top one, some people were complaining, like the top one was that sort of like blank looking slit type vagina, which, you know, some people were like, well, that's oppressive. And, you know, women are feel self-conscious if their vulvas are too floppity or whatnot. And yet... (laughs) Sorry, I could have maybe chosen a better word. And yet, though, like, the very next one was a dippier vagina. I don't know what you would even call that. Oh, Let's just listen. Longer. Like... <laughs> I'm just going to keep going for adjectives. <laughs> no, but the point is, um, it's interesting because when you read studies about women that feel self-conscious about the way their vulva look, like you hear about people wanting labiaplasty because they think that their labia are too long right. or too loose or something. But in fact, whoever was voting, men and women, were kind of all over the place about whether they liked long, you know, prominent labia or sort of petite, demure labia. Well, it's interesting. I, when I was listening to the, the episode you guys did with Rich a couple weeks ago when I was out, I was thinking like, you know, this is really great, like radio or whatever this is, uh, to be talking about dick beauty standards. But I was like, wouldn't it feel weird to be talking about yeah. Yeah. badges? And then I was like, we would never do that. And here we are two yeah. weeks later. <laughs> well, it's interesting because then I was reading, um, this woman did a really extensive study of both the way women feel about their vulva, the way um, people think of vulva ought to look. And she found that there's really a perception that women feel very self-conscious, particularly if their labia minora, the inner lips, protrude, which many, many women do, probably most. Um, but part of that is because in like adult magazines, like softcore porn, they usually edit that out. So you just sort of get Barbie doll crotch almost that like um, she studied, she looked at Playboys and she said only I believe it was 17 percent of the vulva in Playboy magazines over the course of like a decade or something had labia minora present when they showed a vagina. So if you only looked at softcore porn, you would think that everybody would be the sort of Nell from Scotland vulva. Right. And for the record, we think it's fucked up that an R-rated version of a vagina would be oh, no, like, totally. photoshopped out. Right. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. There was an amazing campaign, I believe, in Australia where the women were also talking about the standards of when something in a adult magazine gets sort of like pulled back by the sort of censors and whatnot. And it's usually that it's considered more explicit when you see the menorah because people associate that with some sort of like spreading openness, even though anatomically that's the way a lot of women are. Right. I guess it's kind of the same, though, with like the difference between an R rating and an NC-17 rating is if one of the things is if you can see like the line between the shaft and the head of a penis. Like, exactly. Like that that takes it into pornographic territory. I, I didn't territory. know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things I know. <laughs> Does that mean that you cannot get an NC-17 rating if the if it's a flaccid, uncircumcised penis? I think you're safe there. Also, it has to be erect. Sorry, I should say that with the NC-17 oh, rating. It's an erect penis. Yeah. Yeah. Who so. makes that judgment? Um, oh, God. The what music, is that? Motion Picture Association yeah, of America. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Creepy one that, that guy made that documentary about. 
Oh, yeah, I think so. This film is not yet rated. Yeah. So it's those I, people that he was filming, that like little old lady he was chasing down to interview that sits there checking whether you can see the head, the right. line of the head of the penis. It's like fun job And then she checks her. it off and is like, nope. I actually interviewed someone from there for a story I was writing about, um, like the ball renaissance on television. It's really all about context. Like if you're like a sad man with a, your dick out in a scene, but it's like for dramatic purposes, then it's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> if it's sexual, then like it starts to, it's all about context, really. That's kind of horrible you can only show dick if it's like a you could only be naked if you're sobbing at the same time (laughs) we can't just have happy bodies right no they have to be sad dramatic tortured naked bodies i suppose or maybe like happy and frolicking they just can't be having sexual joy right so the other thing about the vagina contest is that all of the winners were completely bare there was like no hair present i feel like there is sort of a case to be made that like if you're what you're trying to win a vagina beauty contest, you do want your vagina to be seen. I don't know, but I feel like um, a bush is a nice part of a, this is oh, I, I, so weird. I wouldn't, I, no, I'm not arguing, I would. Did, I wouldn't argue with that. I'm just <laughs> saying like, you know, it's, it is like. It blocks the view. Yeah, it blocks the view more than it would with, in a dick contest. I, I suppose it depends. And yet again, this brings us to like, which portion of the vulva are we trying to look right. at right. and evaluate, right? right? Because I'm thinking this is about overall appearance. Right? Yeah, Allison so is like, sort of seeing the sort of like 1970s skipping through the breeze, yeah, uh, you know, nudist bush vagina. Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite type of vagina. <laughs> yeah, these are really the like inner workings of the vagina. I know that there are surgeries to make your vagina more attractive, but like are there just regular beauty treatments? Like, I know Gwyneth talked about getting your vagina steamed a lot, but that's a different... Which and is apparently, like, a total like bunk, right? one-way road to yeast infection right, like town is what everybody CGI. concluded. <laughs> yeah. There are um, labiaplasty, which is sort of uh, either reconstructive or reductive or different surgeries um, on the labia. Usually, all the, like, gynecological associations and stuff in America recommend that only for people that have like a medical necessity, that they're in pain or something like that. Although some cosmetic surgeons do consider that something that they're willing to do. Um, There's a new product that just came out um, actually last week that announced itself at least, which they called it a Vontouring device, which is vaginal contouring. Um, What it's supposed to do is you like somehow... I mean, it's one of those things, the equivalent of, you know, those women that like zap their faces to theoretically create collagen growth. You do that to your vulva with the hope of firming up your vulva. You zap your vagina. Yeah. You zap your vulva. But that's so different from, I don't actually really know what contouring is makeup-wise, no. but it's totally different, right? right? Yeah. No, that's not the same thing like at all. using makeup to like change the shape, right? To like bring out certain shapes. You know, I find that in the sort of crank beauty industry, there's sort of this, like, fuzzing of many, many terms. And then when you get to the crank beauty industry dealing with genitals, (laughs) just, like, every word is crazy. So the thing was, like, Kardashian, your vagina, and you're like, there's nothing to do with the Kardashians here. (laughs) There's nothing to do with contouring here. Does Kim have a beautiful vagina? I don't know. You haven't watched her? (laughs) Actually, I guess I have. I have not. This is we're so far and away. I I can't remember. I don't think. I don't think she actually showed it in the video. Yeah, she does. I thought you just like see Ray J above her, but you don't see the actual. There are multiple positions. Oh, I guess I haven't watched the whole thing then, have I? Done a close, close watch. I think I've just seen a couple stills, maybe. I feel like I've said this before on this podcast, but I've always really been charmed by the fact that Kanye West used to watch that video whenever he was having sex with other women. You like, did not say no, that you never mentioned because that. I did not know that. <laughs> he, like he watched it when love. he had sex with other... Yeah, like before he got together with Kim. That 
so he would, like, oh, put you mean, it on in the background. So weird, While Kanye. he was banging other women, yeah. not, like, in private. He was like, let's get in the mood with some porn, like, and but put on... the porn's, like, the girl of my dreams is yeah. sex video. That's wow, that's... Both, like, romantic and so messed up. <laughs> <laughs> How do we know this? Did Amber sit, tell everyone? Amber I don't, actually don't know where it comes from. It could be, I like, a figment her. of my own imagination, but I really would like to believe it. There probably are, like, relationships where, like... The guys have like a favorite porn star they watch the oh, same. Oh, of course. That seems so weird. Not weirder than that, I gotta say. Right? Well, if you if he got married to that porn star, it'd be less weird. <laughs> I'd say like this is like less a... weird or more weird. I think it's less weird. I feel very uncomfortable when like the fourth wall is broken in yeah. like all situations, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> participatory theater, <laughs> in you know concerts, and I I think the fourth porn wall being broken one. in porn is going to be a really high up there for me. Yeah. So we've been talking about what makes a beautiful vag. We've also been talking about um, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's sex life. So sort of speaking of, our next subject is Kevin Bacon's Dick Crusade. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's time to free the bacon. And by bacon, of course, I mean your wiener, your balls, and your butt. Kevin Bacon said earlier this month in a kind of weird video launched out into the social media universe with the hashtag free the bacon which I think may also be the slogan of the bacon ad campaign he's a spokesperson it's for. It's true, yeah. It's super weird. <laughs> Maybe this is like a part of that in a weird way. <laughs> the Port um, Association of America is like... <laughs> also like wants more penis. <laughs> this, this video really is so hilarious. Have you seen Wild Things, he says? I was super naked in that. It was awesome. Matt Dillon was there. He saw my wiener. <laughs> Hollow Man, I had an infrared wiener in that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> He noted, I think jokingly, that his contracts stipulate one sex scene per movie, but they often get edited out. So is he just trying to get his own dick on screen? <laughs> or know. is this actually like a gender equity issue? Well, I do think it's a gender equity issue. And also maybe Kevin Bacon just like needs some more acting roles right now. But like I think a bunch of Game of Thrones actresses have come forward saying there needs to be more objectification of men on screen as long as women are going to be completely naked in Game of Thrones. Like, they need more more dick. And I think Game of Thrones has done an okay job putting more nudity, uh, male nudity on screen. But there's been a push by a lot of actresses to say, like, you know, if I'm putting my boobs and badge out there, like, I want more dong and berries. Sorry. It's like, <laughs> are there that many vaginas on these shows or just boobs? I think it's really just boobs, but you get women like full frontal all the time on like, HBO true. shows. See, I think this brings us back to actually, though, that same dilemma of the depiction of, say, the sort of feeling of like, oh, it's pornier because this part of the genitals are showing, the, uh, you know, that a bush somehow feels safer because you're not seeing the sort of flesh of the genitals. Right. Like you're not seeing the literally the part of it that is the active causes pleasure part, you know? Whereas like a dick, in order to see the sort of naughty parts, you're seeing the real genitals. I mean, I guess, but it's not like women's full frontal nudity. Um, just because it's not like you're not showing their genitals or their yeah. inside vagina, it's still sexual and it's still like here's a naked woman for your yes. And objectifying Yeah, also. objectifying. Yes. No, and true. that's the equality that they're going for, not so much like I need to see like you know, everyone's Your inner wiener. genitals. Yeah, like, yeah. you know. Um, so how much dick is there, like, on in movies now? Is I it... wouldn't say a ton. As someone who not likes... Not enough, you Not think? enough, guys. 
as someone who watches lots of movies and pays attention to lots of dicks, it's like <laughs> <laughs> there was that shocking not... like centimeter of Ben Affleck's dick in Gone Girl, right? And like uh, the that way like mistake, that, that women though, erupted or that everyone erupted at seeing like the side peen of Ben Affleck just shows you how could you even catch that? You I was like, could, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like with the use of TiVo or like actually in live time. In live time, I think if you've been primed to kind of know mm-hmm. that that was the scene, you could catch it. I think I found a still image of it somewhere on the internet. Yeah. And I was like, what? Um, So apparently there's a movie called The Overnight that's coming out. Naomi Scott made it with Adam Scott. And one of the sort of running gags is that there's two guys. One has like a ginormous penis and one has a little one. And they show their full frontal nudities. But the key is in order to shoot those, they do the same thing that, you know, the sort of boogie nights, that stuff, where they um, hire a penis prostheticist to make a prosthetic penis. Well, that seems ridiculous. They should just flop around. Oh, it's like kind of an embarrassing <laughs> casting call, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, for one of them, yes. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think Jimmy Kimmel asked Adam Scott that because he's like a producer on it. And he's like, you're in, you're the boss and you also cast yourself as the one with the tiny peen. <laughs> Why would you do that? And he's like, I don't know. I'm a humble guy. Because I guess if you cast the right character, a huge penis, it would be like, oh, come on, Adam Scott. Yeah. It's kind of self-serving. Apparently all the, um, the, there's like one famous, I mean, because prosthetic penises aren't in that high demand in Hollywood. There's kind of one guy that makes all of them now. Oh, I have to that talk he has, to that guy. He has a couple good molds. <laughs> um, there was a small interview with him on Fast Company, actually. Is this like a, a full-time job for him, or does he also work for some dildo company? Or <laughs> No, he, in <laughs> fact, is um, a special effects makeup artist. So in the way that they make, they also, he does plenty of other forms of makeup. Stuff, but they, yeah. make, um, they make molds and apply, you know, like Spock ears. That kind of thing would be a special effects makeup artist in the same way that he made a Spock ear of a penis at some point and got right. pretty good at it, apparently. Okay, but my question is, do you want to see dicks in movies? Like, I think yes, personally, for not mm. even, like, like like arousal purposes, just because, like, if I'm seeing boobs, I want to see dick, too. But I think someone's argued that, like, people don't want to see penises. Like, that's not a yes. thing that's attractive. It's not good for, like, <laughs> ticket sales. No offense, guys. <laughs> you know, I think this is a really good point, and... I think for me, I'm sort of in your camp, Allison, in that it's not that I actually want to see a penis that much, but just my sort of sense of like parody and it's like a political principle, politicism. They yeah. I'm like on principle, get More naked penis. and be ashamed, man, because that's how I always feel. <laughs> or get naked and be proud, but like let me proud. like sit there and watch it, like all you know. Yeah, I said that in the wrong way. <laughs> be naked and ashamed. No, but Allison, you have like some some favorite dick. I do. Yeah, what's I everyone's do. favorite? Dicks in the cinema moments. I think I probably do have, I, mm, I mean, I would say Kevin Bacon, but that's like two on the nose because that was the first time I was like, whoa, which one? Penis. And uh, at the end of Wild Things, when he just steps out of the shower with a towel and it's like nonchalant, but there's Kevin Bacon's enormous penis, and I was like twelve, I think. <laughs> so when that movie came out, so I was just. You, but being, you knew at the time that it was huge. Yes, I was like that. I I know in my soul, like just like somehow that that counts as a big penis, even though I've. <laughs> I definitely hadn't seen one. <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah. wait, you're saying that Kevin Bacon's penis was the first penis that you had ever seen? Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. I That's will amazing. admit that. Yeah, thank you, Kevin Bacon, for <laughs> Before my even sexual like... awakening. I mean, I went to like an all-girls school, so health class in sixth grade was more feelings talk than like, this is what a penis looks like. I mean, oh also my gosh. Said, well, maybe. But so that was, yeah, and that was my first... Wild. Penis. We wild, wild. Free thing. the bacon. I know. Thank you, Kevin Bacon. But my favorite penis would have to be Mark Wahlberg at the end of Boogie Nights. It is just. Unfurling. Uh, it's un- it, it, 
like layers of <laughs> like rolls out. It's crazy. Well, also, it's like, it's, a, like it's a genuine fruit char- by the foot. It's a moment where his character is genuinely yes. revealed. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like, it's a vulnerable moment. It's, it's like, part of the scene. It's not extraneous. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that is a real model for how penises can be used or penises can be cast in other in other movies. It's a part of the character development. In that movie, I know that they made the, the censors made them make the dick smaller. <laughs> I did not know that. Like yeah. you had to That's reshoot a, the scene? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's amazing. It was so big that, like, that I saw it anyway. <laughs> That's great. Um, I also like Jason Siegel's surprise penis in Forgetting Cyril Marshall. I didn't see that movie. What yeah. happens then? Um, it's great. So he's his girlfriend comes home and he's like naked and he drops a towel and is like, I've got a surprise for you while shaking his dick back and forth. And then she immediately dumps him. So he's sitting there completely naked, dick out sobbing because he also totally notable about this movie jason siegel wrote it Uh himself (laughs) and he was like 20 21 when he wrote it he had like been in freaks and geeks but i think he hadn't at least when he sold the script like had not had another role so he was really making himself like making a pitch for himself as the guy who had the embarrassing dick scene right it's kind of oh, a bold move. It is for bold. That is bold. Really establishing yourself in Hollywood. <laughs> That's a meaningful penis too. Then, in that, it's meaningful to like Jason Siegel's career yeah. and the way we see his boldness, and I suppose the character too. Yeah. It sounds like a, a, the ultimate vulnerability. <laughs> dumped while naked, flopping your dick around for a punchline, and then dumped. <laughs> and then dumped. Now let's move on to our third subject: uh, how sexting makes you a better boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. Maureen, I know this study is dear to your. Heart, I guess. Do you want to? Uh... Oh, the power of sexting. I'm wanna... sexting's greatest advocate. Maybe not greatest. I don't want to take responsibility for all that. But um, so there was a study presented um, at the American Psychological Association's 123rd annual convention. It was a group of researchers from Drexel University who did a study. They had um, nearly 900 participants from the ages of 18 to 82 assessed their sexual behaviors, and among them, um, they looked at people who had sexted, which they defined as sending any kind of sexually explicit either photos or words to someone. And about 80% of the respondents said they had done it. 75% said they did it in the context of a committed relationship. 43% had sexted in a casual relationship. And they added that those who said they had sexted, there was a correlation between the level of satisfaction they reported in their relationship and sexting. So that doesn't mean that sexting causes you to have a better sort of sexual relationship, but that perhaps couples with high levels of sexual happiness and sexual communication and satisfaction happen to also be sexting as well. Was it just sexual satisfaction they were reporting or or general relationship satisfaction? Um, No, it was greater sexual satisfaction. Interesting. Um, And they said that was in particular to the people in committed relationships. And as far as you're concerned, this basically confirms your view of the positivity of sexting, right? I think so. I think that... um, there's no reason that sexting can't be part of a healthy sexual relationship. I mean, there is the element of just sort of the sheer terror of doing anything sexual in a way that's recorded in any manner, whether it's like on texts or, right. you know, photos and that sort of thing. Um, but like there are ways to do it with relative levels of safety right. of, you know, well, also using Snapchat. Two, two-step verification in your iCloud, <laughs> Snapchat. Or one of those like couples-only communication apps. I feel like those are good for sex. But these are within relationships. These are, right? yeah, so, that's like, true. Those are mostly within security, relationships. Right? And that most people are doing this within the context of a secure relationship. Right. I think you so often hear, and I think it's reasonable that it's particularly if you know, you're young and you're not sure how the relationship is going to go, maybe you don't want to take the risk of sending like 
your first college boyfriend a sheaf of nudes and you're like only <laughs> learning how these things work and right. maybe he's going to be a horrible human. But it has always seemed so counterintuitive to me that this one form of communication would be considered off the table for people in relationships when every form of communication will probably have some level of romance, some level of sex, some level of fighting, sort of everything. What would like a fighting sex to be? Oh, that more that like if you're texting each other, you're going to sometimes be happy. You're going to oh, sometimes be sexy. You're going to sometimes fight about the grocery list by text. You'll do the same thing when you talk out loud. You do this, you know. Right. Sort of every medium will contain some element of your relationship, you but would think. I guess if you sent a sext of you having sex with someone else, that would be like a fighting sex. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a like fighting <laughs> words via sex. Cool. Okay, well, what, what if, I don't, I know like the study doesn't really point to this, but um, sex, you're sexting more than you're having sex, actual IRL sex. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, can one that, get in the way of the other? Yeah. Or what do you think? I don't know. Possibly. When I know, um, when we did our story on long distance relationships, yeah. um, there was one researcher who found that when people sexted more, even if they were having less sex, like if they lived far away from each other, but they were sexting all the time, they still reported high levels of sexual satisfaction in that they felt that they're just sort of, they had a sex life, that there right. was sexual communication and intimacy, even if they weren't physically having sex. So I don't think, it doesn't sound like sexting actually, like you're using up all your sex playing cards and then you can never <laughs> get them back. It seems to me that when people are sort of in a phase of like horniness or tons of sex with in a relationship with a new person or just like, you know, in a phase of your relationship where you're like that, it sort of pervades all parts of the relationship, not just one part. Right. You know, so if you're sexting more, you're getting amped up and excited and you maul each other when you get home, potentially. Or I, I don't think it works the way where people are like, you used it all up. I don't think you use up. Well, I was just thinking, I mean, and also anecdotally, when I was in a long distance relationship, I would be like out at the bar with my friends, like sexting oh, yeah. my, just because like, he's like, I, he needed to be doing that now, but I was busy. So I was just like... <laughs> You know, under the table, sexting him while I'm with my friends, hanging out. I suppose so, there like, can be a, there can be a bigger um, disconnect or miscommunication. Right. Exactly. I feel like like the, if you're not into it and you're actually physically in the room with each other, <laughs> he's gonna know, right? right. But I can or hide maybe that over he text. won't know, depending on how good you are at faking. I'm a but... Great actress. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what do we? How do we think the like cause and effect runs this way? Is it because these people are in better relationships that they happen to also sex, or is it because that they're because they're sexting that they? are more comfortable and happier, more satisfied sexually, do you think? My like knee-jerk instinct is to guess the former. Yeah. However, um, there's a sort of like echo chamber effect yeah, of totally. sex that sort of, you know, sometimes you don't know that something was a hot thing until somebody articulates it to you, and then you start thinking about it and you get excited about it. Um, I spoke to one sex therapist once who pointed out that for some people, it's a little easier to not have to say those things like, eye-to-eye, face-to-face, and that sometimes writing down what you want can be a a mode of communication that's helpful for some couples, or that you can sort of reach a different type of perviness in one medium and then switch it over. Or it may be easier to understand that what you're writing out is some fantasy, whereas like in a, when you're face-to-face with each other, it may be not totally clear whether you want what you're saying or just sort of performing right right yeah although there is that sort of weird gap of like the things you say in sex and you're like no no no, i didn't mean that in oh, real yeah. life <laughs> right don't actually just, do that just or, my phone. Just for the text. or <laughs> alternately <laughs> i really wanted you to do that don't chicken out right <laughs> i feel like maybe there's a lot of well, you know, either way new level of pressure with that but yes i don't know why i'm like i i find as we talk about this i'm like down on sexting i'm like i think that makes relationships a little more complicated but it I'm is complicated the, yeah. i mean 
everything in a relationship is complicated. There are many, many, many factors. I don't know what factors are disappearing as we have these new modes of communication. Like now we don't have to worry about the Phone subtext calls. of telegraphs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who would sex over a telegraph? No, but like leaving messages, I feel like, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, voicemail. Yeah. I don't have any level of voicemail anxiety because I don't leave those. Letter writing? Yeah. No. I don't Letter worry about writing. my penmanship. Nope. Yeah. yeah, no. Email. Yeah. It's all just Good. Snapchats. So, cool. Look, we're not just making things more complicated. <laughs> Something else will go away. It'll balance out, and we'll probably have the same level of angst at all times. Yeah. And happiness. It's one constant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for Sex Lives. Before we go, I wanted to say um, it's the end of August. I think we're going to take a week off. Um, you guys should, too. And we'll be back on Wednesday, September 2nd. In the meantime, our producer for this episode is Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Henry Molaski, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers of Panoply. From Marina O'Connor and Allison Davis, I'm David Wallace-Wells. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.